all of me Why not take all of me Can't you see I'm no good without you Take my lips I want to lose them Take my arms I'll never use them Your goodbye Left me with eyes that cry How can I go on, dear, without you? You took the part that once was my heart So why not take all of me? Welcome to CITR 101.9 FM. You are tuned in to the Arts Report, and it is Wednesday. April the 8th. Thank you. Yeah. Every week. Every week. Without fail. Mm-hmm, I Jake. forget the date. That's okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, uh, you're with Jake and Ashley, as you can tell. Yeah, Rohit could not be here today. He uh, is climbing a mountain. Is he climbing a mountain? No, that's my best excuse, though. I, I would like for him to, you know, climb a mountain. So it's like, oh, I couldn't come in. I was climbing a mountain. It's like, okay, Rohit, that's cool. Well, that's he, like a good excuse. 
in my opinion. A couple weeks ago, he was actually yeah, he was climbing, mountain. climbing the mountain, but I think like, he has homework this week. Um, but that's today, also a mountain to climb. It, it's, it, is it ever. <laughs> um, today, we've got a, a great show. Um, later in the program, uh, the folks from the Syrup Trap are here. Uh, we have a lot of folks here. We have a lot of folks here. Mm-hmm. It's a packed house today. Um, we also have uh, some some clips from contributors Dave McDonald and uh, or sorry Dave Campbell and Brian McDonald who mm-hmm. respectively are covering the uh, Fan Expo Vancouver Fan Expo that happened last week, mm-hmm. as well as a play um, on Commercial Drive that we'll find out more about soon and you're here to talk about um bc book prizes yeah i went to their soiree not too long ago it was pretty cool and a lot of the people who are actually receiving the prizes are from ubc now i'll be really happy to talk about that a little bit more later on right on but first up we have christine here how are you doing christine how are you doing christine i'm doing really well thanks for asking what uh what are you here to talk about today Ah, well, last Thursday, I went to go see a play called Inside Out. Well, tell us about Inside Out. Um, Inside Out is a monologue written and performed by Patrick Keating on his time spent in Canadian prisons. And this is a true story, I believe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's all based on um, his own experience in um, the Canadian penitentiary system. And at first, you would think that the play would be really serious and dark um, because, I mean, how happy can life behind bars really be? Um, But the 80-minute play was acted very simply very simply and very elegantly through the voice of um, one man and it was told as more of a heartwarming story than a serious documentary type look into the Canadian um, prison system. So Keating really spends a lot of time recalling his childhood, the wrong decisions he made, the right decisions he made, the laughs that he had, and the friendships that he's built. Um, So it's all very, very reminiscent. And um, the stage is also really simple. There's only two benches and one box um, that is kept constant throughout his entire monologue. And as the audience, I really felt as though I was listening to the stories told by a dear family member that I hadn't seen in a really long time. Like that was the impression that I was getting. And Keating did a really good job in engaging the audience with his voice and with his sense of humor um, as he weaved important themes of community and friendship into all of the stories that he was talking about. Um, He explained that despite having a relatively normal childhood, the moment he started hanging around with the wrong crowd and getting into minor scruffs with the law, as he got older, this cycle of going in and out of prison Um, was really, really hard for him to get out of and escape, even in his late 20s. Um, He briefly touched on the dangers of being physically and sexually assaulted in prison by the inmates, but also of how important knowing the right people were to keeping you safe in like those kind of places, um, which was really eye-opening. Um, his stories came to the conclusion um, with his decision to transfer from the prison facilities he was in in Montreal to the one out west here in BC, and how at um, the BC prison that he was in, he found a renewed sense of responsibility and purpose with the educational arts programs that were made available to him and all of the other convicts within the penitentiary, which 
I didn't know um, those kind of services existed, um, but he expressed how um, fundamental they were to getting him to where he's at now. Um, and, and I could be wrong about this, but I think it was that time that he moved that would have been around the Quebec referendum. Mm-hmm. So uh, they were giving Anglophone inmates the option to transfer out. And that's where he had, I, th- I think he would had never thought about taking a theater course or anything. And then all of a sudden it was available from prison and it kind of might have marked some redemption for him. Is, is that kind of the sense? That, that yeah, he, he explained how um, this transfer f- from the prison he was in Montreal to the prison he um, was in in BC was a transfer that would have taken years and years to process. But because of this um, kind of unique situation um, historically at the time, mm-hmm. this transfer was done um, in like a week. And he, he also contrasted how the environment of the prison is really different in um, East Canada and West Canada. Really? Yeah. Um, so he kind of made a lot of jokes about how friendly the um, guards and the staff were at the BC prison in comparison to kind of like the cold, um, the I'm not really going to be, I'm not here to be your friend type um, prison guard in Montreal. Do you think it could have been kind of a language barrier that could have also prevented him from making connections in the, the Quebec prison? Um, I don't think so, um, just because there wasn't a huge focus in any of his stories about the language barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think him being somebody who grew up in Montreal, he was pretty... Um, Fluent already. Yeah, yeah. and connected um, with the community there. And um, one of the things, one of the main themes that I found throughout all the stories that he told um, that really resonated with the audience was this idea that sometimes you can end up in a place without understanding how the road that you started led you to where you're at right now. So the box that Keating um, brought onto the stage at the very beginning was revealed to have all the files that the government had accumulated from his record of crimes, from um, the laws that he's broken. Um, So Keating, um, near the end of the play, sifts through all of them, expecting to find his life kind of laid out before him. So he can see, where did I go wrong? And in the end, he realizes that these are really just documents that have unfinished notes and missing parts, and that really don't reflect how his life came to be one so characteristically behind bars. Um, And sometimes we do live this life not asking the question of where we're going until we get to a point where we look up and feel totally lost and um, have to retrace our our steps. Um, So this kind of um, sense of regaining purpose and finding a new reason to keep moving um, despite your past was I think, um, a really nice note to end off. So, um, yeah, overall, I thought that the performance was really heartwarming and um, it had really good themes of community and purpose um, that resonated throughout all the stories that he told. Um, And for anybody else who's interested in getting to see this play, it plays until April the 12th at the Little Mountain Gallery um, every night at 7.30 p.m. And tickets are $20. Well, that's a really cool spot. Cool spot to see a play over on Main Street. Um, now, he came to acting late in life uh, how and through the prison system, but how did his acting chops hold up to some of the other plays that you'd see? Oh, his acting job. Um, it, it was 
actually really well done. Um, he, I think he was very nervous coming up on stage um, with his own work, the one that he wrote himself, and it's an 80-minute play with no intermission at all, so no break, basically, between um, what he's saying. He has to go on for that full length, so... I mean, it's quite a big task for him to do, but I think that once he got over his initial um, kind of nervousness, he really um, comfortably was able to engage the audience and be able to project his voice and um, do a good job in being the character that he is already so familiar with, you know? Like, it probably is like him... It's probably like second nature to him because mm. it's not a character that's so far off from his um, very true past. Right on. Well, thanks for telling us about the play. No problem. What do you What do you have in the in the books for coming up on the show? Well, I'm really hoping to go see the puppet death scenes yes. at some point. <laughs> so yeah. Well, hopefully, we'll have you back uh, telling us about fantastic puppet deaths uh, in the upcoming weeks on the show. That sounds good. Right on. Well, from one play to another, we've got a segment here from um, from one of our contributors and friend of the show. A Fateful Meeting of Les Femme Fatales is the latest production from Leaping Thespians Theatre Group. And it's a comedy written by Mary Harvey, and it's running at Havana Theatre on Commercial Drive until April 25th. Um, our friend Dave Campbell... Uh, best known from his show Dave Radio with Radio Dave. On the radio. On the radio, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he recently sat down with Jacqueline Korb and Taylor Stretchbury, who are acting in the play. So here is that piece. We have leaping thespians in the room. Okay. <laughs> I have to turn your mics on so you can hear Oh, that would be hard. There, there we go. <laughs> so we've got uh, Taylor Stutchbury. Uh Yeah, I'm Taylor Stutchbury, yeah. uh, one of the more original members of the Leaping Thespians. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and, and we have we have a newer member as well. Is that, we do. Is that, is, that, is that what you're leading up to? I know we do have a newer <laughs> member. Yes. And that's you, Jacqueline. That is Korb. me. My name is Jacqueline Corb, and uh, yes, this is my first uh, production with the Leaping Thespians, and okay. I'm thrilled to be here. All right, Taylor. Let's talk first a little bit about what the Leaping Thespians is, who they are, what they do, and why they exist. Okay, Leaping Thespians are a, a women's theater group who's been around in Vancouver since about 2001. Originally started up in Nelson uh, mm-hmm. with basically who's now our artistic director, Karen White. Um, Its focus is to write and create and do theater for women's theater, Um, primarily lesbian stories. But, of course, we do have, you know, we like the straight girls, too. (laughs) Let them in. (laughs) Yeah, we'll let them in. And in in all aspects of production. So it isn't just about acting. It's about people. Yeah, well, you said you you write as well and... and, uh, and you know all the other theater stuff, building sets and costumes and that promotion and getting money and getting yeah. people in seats and all, the, all that, all, all that, all, all the fun all that stuff, fun stuff that yeah. comes with doing theater. Okay, well, let's talk about the the latest uh, latest event. The uh, the what's the full title? A fateful meeting of les femmes fatales. That is correct. So it's basically a play about a group of friends who are getting together to do a murder mystery role play, and of course, trouble ensues. Mm-hmm. And it's famous femme fatales over the last century. Okay. And Radcliffe Hall. All right. Yeah, I, would, I don't know if I'd classify her as a femme fatale. <laughs> Maybe in some circles. <laughs> so, uh, Jackie, how did you get involved with this thing? Well, I've been uh, acting for over 20 years, mm-hmm. and uh, I've known Taylor for about 
one or two years now, and yeah. they were having auditions for the Femme Fatales. And she sent me a text and said, hey, we'd like to have you audition for our show. And I yeah. said, great. So I went and auditioned. And So who are you? Who have you been cast as? What's your? I have been cast as a gay man named Jim. Well done. There are two, yes, <laughs> there are two male uh, characters in the play, both mm -hmm. of them gay, and yeah. I was cast as one of them. So it's interesting because I've done the... I've played drag before. I've been in drag before, but because all of the characters in the play are dressed as femme fatales, I am a man in drag in drag. Oh. If that makes sense. <laughs> a woman playing a man, <laughs> playing, one, playing yeah. a drag queen. Yes. As I've said to the others, this is my own personal Victor Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's been mm -hmm. interesting. So, uh, what's a little? Tell me a little bit more about the story, uh, like the plot of the play. What uh, what can the audience expect? Um, so, the plot of the play is uh, I play a character called Beth, who is uh, not very well liked uh, mm -hmm. by her friends, and my girlfriend wife uh, Michelle has this party, and I don't really want to be at it. Uh, and so, um, over the course of the evening, trouble ensues. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I leave the scene. And then a real-life police officer comes to so there's determine a, there's, this. So this is a kind of a murder mystery around this. There is a little yeah. bit, yeah. Mm -hmm. A murder mystery within a murder mystery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, I, I mean, my gathering from the, the, the outline I read is that it starts out as kind of a role-playing game mm -hmm. around a murder mystery, like the, one of those murder mystery games that people have parties around and that. Exactly. But all of a sudden a real body shows up? Is that what happens? Uh... Or not? We, we have I to, think you need to come to we see We have to come yeah. and see. Okay, all right. We don't want to give too much. No, don't no, yeah, no, no. I mean, especially with a murder mystery. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you spell it all out, then it's... Well, we won't tell them who did it, but... Oh. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of an enticement in there. Yeah. And where where is it? It's at Havana. It's playing at the Havana, yeah. uh, March 16th to 25th. April, April. It's already, sorry, April, sorry, yeah. yeah. It's already April. gone. April, yeah. March is gone. Uh, April 16th to 25th, but yeah. it actually only runs the Thursday to the Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Now happen. you have brought a scene in to do for us. We have, yes. Yeah. So we why don't you set that up? Okay. Uh, so, Jackie, did you want to set it up? Well, sure. My character is a veterinarian, and um, Taylor's character, Beth, works at the clinic that he runs. So this is a little uh, scene they have together. Mm -hmm. um, I think it speaks for itself. <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right. Well, have at it. Okay. Tough surgery today, eh? Yes. You can't win them all, Jim. I'm sure you tried your best. Uh -huh. That's no comfort to our owners. <sighs> Those two? They probably placed a new order with the breeder on the way home and asked for a refund. Uh, still, I feel terrible. It's nothing like a shot of K you can't take care of, though, right? What? Come on, Jim. I'm in charge of inventory, remember? So? So you're looking pretty relaxed for someone that killed a $6,000 dog today. And I actually thought you were trying to comfort me. You've taken care of that yourself, haven't you? Didn't you think I'd notice how low the ketamine is? Given the number of surgeries we've had over the past month, I'd say you've been dipping into the stores to help settle your nerves. Everyone knows you've been on edge lately. On what are you basing this ridiculous accusation? The new security system lets me know who swiped their card to get into what room and when. I've been tracking the drug loss and your activities over the clinic for the past month. It's amazing how the two line up exactly and at such odd hours. 
but you've been borrowing my card all month. Who's going to know that? I see. Good. What do you want? Fire Keith. What? He's my best technician. I'm your best technician. And your new business partner. What? Michelle would really like a bigger house. She deserves it, don't you think? You can't be serious. You've been so impressed with the job I've been doing as office manager, you decided to offer me a piece of the business. Over my dead body. I've worked 17 years building my practice. I'm not about to hand it over to you. Your 17 years of investment can disappear pretty quickly with a call to the veterinary college. I'd say within days, you'd be out of business. <laughs> you, you cannot be serious. You're repeating yourself, Jim. It must be the special K. Look, I'll, I'll give you a raise. All right, 5%, 10%. What do you want? You think you're so much better than me. With your degree on the wall, I could have had one of those too. If my family was rich, I had to work for everything I got. I had to put myself through school cleaning up dog crap. And I'm still cleaning up dog crap. So no, Jimbo, money isn't the answer. You're going to make a very special announcement tonight after dessert. Michelle will be very excited and proud of me, don't you think? This is blackmail. Why would you jeopardize your career with a foolish move like this? I don't think Michelle would be very proud of you. And see. <laughs> wow. Oh, this is hot. <laughs> this is steamy. I like this. There we go. All right. Yeah. So it's, uh, once again, fateful meeting of Les Femmes Fatales at Havana in two weeks. Opens two on weeks. the uh, April 16th. Uh, and tickets are at the usual places and you, at the little door. Little sister and at the door. And uh, you can get them on our website, uh, www.leapingthesbians.ca. Yeah, and we'll link to that on the Dave Radio Facebook page as well. Thank so you very make much. that as easy as possible. We <laughs> also have a pay what you can night yeah. on Wednesday, April 22nd. All right. Mm -hmm. Terrific. Well, thank you both for coming in. Thank you very thank much. You. And uh, pleasure. we'll see you at the Havana. Excellent. Oh, lousy smarts weather. This issue of Discorder, there's no more Discorder. Discorder is over. Vancouver housing crisis. There's a lot of No more Discorder ever. No more Discorder ever. There's no more Discorder. Ever. There's no more disorder. Ever. Disorder. Ever. Spring is here. This Ever. April, Discorder. pick up an issue Ever. of Discorder from a local Ever. venue or record Discorder. store for articles on Sumac, Snit, Saradavachi, Record Store Day, and more. Special thanks to this month's advertisers Levitation Fest, Rickshaw Theater, Light Organ Records, Beat Merchant, Red Cat Records, Neptune Records. Horses Records, Audio Pile Records, Dandelion Emporium, High Life Records, Vinyl Records, Live Van, and AMS Events. <laughs> uh, April makes fools of us all. Mine in 
Founded by UBC students who describe themselves as dischanted but breathtakingly talented and humble, The Syrup Trap is a satirical magazine that has grown to reach 100,000 Canadians every month, which, for context, is almost half of our listenership at the Arts Report. Um, and to, to talk about the growth of the magazine and its place in Vancouver's comedy scene, we are joined today by um, Paul Bucci. Bucci? Bucci? Back. It's Bucci still. Yeah, it's, it's still Bucci. Yeah. Uh, Nick uh, Zarzicki, uh, Winnie Code, and Alex Kilpatrick. Welcome to the Arts Report. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. So, for those who don't know, what is Syrup Trap? Well, the Syrup Trap is a humor magazine that we started on campus about two years ago. Um, we thought it would be cool if there were there was a funny publication on campus, so we just threw up a website and started writing new satire. And over the past two years, it's grown kind of beyond campus now. And we're now writing for a more general Canadian audience. Um, <clears throat> we're still writing mainly new satire, but we're also writing, um, you know, fake lists, short fiction. Uh, we've published a couple of cartoons. And uh, very recently, we started working on a print edition. Um, mm -hmm. So that's... That's exciting. Um, when will when will that see a release? Oh, <laughs> we keep we keep deferring it. We keep deferring it. But I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that it'll be out in like a month, a month and a half. I think we could have it ready by then. All right. Yeah. Cool. So what what do you do? What do you attribute the growth of Syrup Prep or the Syrup Prep to? Um, I think we're funny, and I think there aren't very many publications in Canada that are funny. Um, I don't think the bar is very high in Canada. So I think mainly it's just been, you know, it's really lonely up here when it comes to new satire. And so we've just kind of been the only guys that have done it uh, okay. decently well. And I think yeah. comedy is kind of having a moment right now. And so it's like something that young people are doing and are very interested in. And we happen to be young people who are interesting doing interesting things. So uh, I think comedy is like something <laughs> you can just kind of grab onto and yeah, no, Winnie, of course, is the most interesting of us. Yes, so, yeah. Winnie Code. Um, Alex is the second most interesting person at the Syrup Trap. Mm -hmm. um, and the most interesting people in the room are the quietest people in the room so far. Yes. It's because they live such interesting lives. They, to speak would be... No, they've never spoken, Alex <laughs> and Winnie. We, we found them um, via Skype one day. No, via chat roulette. We found them on chat roulette. Um... <laughs> We we liked we, we liked, liked what we saw. We liked what we saw. We told them get down here to <laughs> Syrup Trap pass. HQ, um, and we made sure that they don't speak, because as soon as they speak, the magic will be broken. <laughs> He's getting close. Don't He's, don't lose it. They're allowed to laugh uh, five minutes a day, and if. Any more than that, the the cattle. It, it's comes that out. kind of humor tension that keeps us good, you know. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like you don't want to have sex too quickly, no, right? You need to kind of keep the with no. your coworkers yeah. and no speaking. No, yeah, no. no speaking. Well, it's exactly it's the yeah, yeah. 
Okay, yeah. so... I hate this magazine. Honestly, <laughs> this is getting a bit silly, though. I, I want this to be a serious interview, okay? Yeah. We're all wearing clown suits, by the way, for the viewers who can't see us. No um, and we have slide whistles as well. <laughs> but don't let that fool you. We're taking this very seriously. That's, I think, also a, a contributing reason to our success. We take this very seriously. <laughs> so for those who, who might not have made it to the Syrup Traps website or, or seen the social media of the Syrup Trap, what, what sort of things can, can people expect? Um, just imagine a Canadian version of The Onion. That was one of my questions later, actually. I was yeah. going to... Is that some? How do you respond to to comparisons like that? Well, it's correct. It is a pretty apt comparison. I mean, just on a serious note, uh, new satire seems to be right now kind of the easiest type of written humor to do and to do well at early on. And we kind of started doing it because it was low hanging fruit. I think other kinds of written humor, the kind of stuff that McSweeney's Internet Tendency does, short short fiction, um, the stuff that the New Yorker Shouts and Murmurs does. I think that's a lot harder to do and to do well, but it's something we, I think, want to move into as well as videos and, and other formats. So the, the main reason why we've done that is because it's easy to do. But I think even even doing the fake news thing, we've managed to be, um, we've managed to put our own spin on it. Uh, one word that we use to differentiate ourselves from the onion um, is silliness. I, I genuinely think we're we're a little bit sillier than the the Onion is. The Onion is a is a fairly satirical, kind of mean spirited and kind of depressing publication, which does not hold its its readers in very high esteem. I think we're a lot sillier and we're a lot lighter and a little bit weirder. Yeah, we like the fantastic. We like the absurd. Yeah. We yeah. like to play. I yeah. mean. I, we don't. I mean, we don't want to just be the Canadian Onion, of course. No, uh, it's really a starting point. Yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. Like you said, it's a, it's a good place to kind of take Get what you can on. and then start going. Because I mean, the thing about uh, any sort of like writing for an audience is that you need that kind of practice to yeah. sort of see what works and what doesn't. There's a lot of sort of working out the kinks of just what your voice is um, uh, before you can really sort of move on to what I would say is the higher comedic forms. Right. Yeah. Or the more unique comedic forms that are maybe ours. We we want to do something that other publications haven't done. That's that's the ultimate goal. Um, I'll I'll admit that one time I before I, I maybe it was the first time I'd seen the syrup trap, but I was fooled. I, I read an article that I believed until I got halfway through. Which article was it? It was it was that um, J.K. Rowling had had purchased. Uh, well, if you want to tell us, right? So that's that's a perfect example of us not being good. That was one of our that was that was published in the first couple. So, and sorry to Cave who wrote that. Cave, <laughs> I think acknowledges that um, th- that's an example of a piece that is thirty percent funny and seventy percent kind of funny because it's misleading. Mm-hmm. And I think we. All of our first kind of our first twenty articles followed those lines, kind of a little bit misleading. You weren't quite sure that it was a joke, and you had to kind of read for the joke. Uh, what we've learned since then, I think, is that um, good, truly good new satire makes you laugh in the headline. And if if you know that it's a joke, right after reading the headline, it's good new satire. It's basically. And and the joke for for listeners who might not have read it was that J.K. Rowling had purchased one of the rooms in Irving Barber Libraries and was going to turn it into that she was going to turn the entire library into Hogwarts. Right. Yeah. So it's it's funny as you as you read it and as you unpack it and as you figure out that it's a joke, uh, but I think 
most of the initial pull of that was just people who were confused, right, and who thought it was real. Um, so we've we've and kind of bitterly disappointed. Yes, and yeah. bitterly disappointed. It's a lot of fun to make fun of people who care about things earnestly. Um, yeah. But yeah, but then you you care about something earnestly, and uh, yeah, and then you have to move on a little bit. Well, one part about that too is I guess there's a lot of political satire um, that goes on, and maybe that falls into the low hanging fruit, or maybe it is easier to, to write itself, but how much of that do you do you want to be producing and how much, you know, are you, are you producing? Um, so, go ahead, Alex. Um, political satire is something that um, a lot of people do. A lot of people take shots at politicians. Um, this hour is 22 minutes. has been doing it for 30,000 years, I think. Um, <laughs> And we just, we don't, we don't really like that. We don't like the whole thing about politicians are stupid and they're corrupt and yada, yada, yada. We like um, making fun of them for being... Humans. Humans. Um, and also just um, a little bit self-serious. So our, our best piece of political satire by far was Stephen Harper refuses to answer questions about CAPE. Um, and it was accompanied by a Photoshop picture of him just wearing a vampire cape. Just <laughs> um, so there's no political bent to that. It's just funny to picture the Prime Minister of Canada wearing a cape and just, no, I'm not answering any questions about this. I mean, we, we sort of have this, like, fantasy of Parliament Hill as being this magical place where, you know, these crazy people do these uh, amazing things and we're just sort of, like, Put, putting them as characters into our own little fantasy about what they might do, be doing, like the Thomas Mulcair in the catacombs. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, <laughs> you could you could very well say that we're not exactly writing satire as much as we are writing Canadian fan fiction, almost. There's four, yeah. fourteen hottest MPs. Is something. Yeah. Like oh, that's yeah. that's Tristan Hopper, who's our best investigative journalist, um, current reporter for the National Post. Yes, he is actually a professional reporter um, for one of Canada's most respected journalistic institutions um and he wrote 12 entries about how much he loves Trist uh, justin trudeau and it was it was fantastic you should go read it we won't you spoil should it. go read it yeah um yeah and i think another thing to mention is that doesn't mean you know if you're being silly and you're writing canadian fan fiction that doesn't mean there's no room for politics i mean politics comes out uh, in any kind of writing and and I do think we reveal a certain political slant. I think, in general, our, our writer's room slants left to center. Um, but I think our priority is to write something that makes you laugh and that is funny and that is silly. Politics always comes second. Any kind of political point always is incidental. Um, it's never it's never the main the main reason that we wrote the thing. Now, and you guys are setting yourself out. You want to be Canada's first national humor magazine. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you find comparisons inside of Canada to something like the Beaverton? <laughs> how, what do we think of the Beaverton? Not much, I guess. Let's, uh, yeah, let's go on I mean, I mean that kind of literally. Like we don't think about them that much. No. Yeah. I mean, they very much do the thing that we were just saying we don't do, which is like they're um, what's the word? Bad. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, like the Black Eyed Peas where every once in a while you just like remember that they exist. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> That's a thing. 
Okay, now talking about growth, you guys have recently started a campaign um, that will let you do all these things that you want to do, venture into video and short fiction and into a more McSweeney-style format. How are you going about doing this? Well, um, we were very inspired by the example that Jesse Brown set with his Candleland podcast. Um, I don't know if you guys listen to Candleland, but what Jesse did to fund his operation was to launch um, a Patreon now, Patreon, it's a crowdfunding platform, but unlike Kickstarter, where you ask people for one lump sum of money, you ask people for a monthly donation. And what that lets you do is build a sustainable stream of funding for whatever it is you're doing. So we've launched a Patreon as well at patreon.com slash syrup trap. Um, and we're asking people to donate to the Patreon. Paul, you have something to say? Uh, no, just on the Jesse Brown point, don't you remember when he started that thing, he said that he was going to be sort of also a satirical, funny news source. Yeah. And I guess we're here to say, Jesse Brown, you don't need to do that anymore. Don't worry, we got your back. Absolutely. Something he was saying in, in his Patreon video and in his podcast was, isn't it terrible that Canada doesn't have a daily show? Um, what else did he say? Doesn't have an onion? Mm-hmm. Doesn't have uh, a publication that holds people accountable for being absurd and, and silly? Um, yeah, we're, we're definitely picking up some of that slack. I mean, I I think that's one of those things. I do think that humor is politically important just because of how incisive it is. So, I mean, you can say things in humor that you can't say in any other medium. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, especially if you, I don't know, don't (laughs) just don't care. (laughs) Yeah. No, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and what uh, for what are you fundraising for for Patreon? Fundraising to be able to pay an editor, me, to work on this thing part time or full time. Um, we're raising money to be able to start paying our writers. And ultimately, we'd like to get an office, an actual physical space where we can all sit down and work on things together and actually turn this into a a real publication. Yeah, I mean, I think really what you're paying for right now is the time, though. Like, if you're looking at, at the Patreon saying, what are you getting? I mean, you're getting mostly Nick's time because he puts so many hours into this thing that sometimes... I don't know, other other opportunities get pushed to the side. So he needs to have something to fill his belly mm-hmm. and uh, get him motivated to keep on moving forward with this thing because sometimes when you're looking at the bottom of your bank account, uh, maybe writing jokes isn't top of your mind. <laughs> no, writing jokes is not a lucrative line of business. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yet. Until Patreon. It never will. No. <laughs> No, and no. and we're really not asking for that much too, right? That's no, that's why not. we're not asking for that much because we're we know that this is at best a part time thing for us. Um, if it comes full time, that would be amazing, but that's oh, not yeah. at all part of our expectations. No, uh, we all have other things we do. So the, yeah. the the main thing here is, you know, uh, we've all done, we've all had projects that we were really enthusiastic about um, about a, a year ago. Some of us tried to start a, a general interest uh, magazine in Canada for young people. Um, and we were doing the thing just purely based off enthusiasm. There was mm-hmm. no money involved. People weren't getting paid. And just... Um, it fell apart. It fell apart. Like, yeah. And f- for good reason. Because, you know, when you're a young person and you have kind of a, a career on standby, you, these things just get pulled apart by the exigencies of, of uh, career and, uh, and life. So Yeah, money holds you, know, you accountable, basically. Mo- money can hold a, a project together. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, when you're donating to our Patreon, what you're doing is essentially keeping a group of uh, creative, talented people together for just a little bit longer and seeing what they do. Mm-hmm. You're also helping us get out of a very um, paradoxical situation, which is that 
our our website generates a lot of traffic and then we have to pay for a website that generates that much traffic so the more popular we get the more the more money it costs us because we don't advertise and uh, we and we'd like to avoid advertising we'd like to yeah. stay out of that game because um, it's just weird especially if you do fake news and fake stuff. We'd, we'd love to sell out, but we'd like to avoid advertising. We, we want to sell out, but we want to do it right. Yeah. Uh, seriously. Lots what, of money. When you look at any publication in Canada right now, th- there is no model that truly works right now for advertising for publications. And the, the reason why we're doing it isn't because we're adverse to ads or getting money in the system. It's simply because we don't think it works. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks very much for, for coming in and, and talking to us and telling us about the syrup trap. Thank sure. you so much for having us. Um, um, tomorrow night? Yes. Uh, Paul, go ahead. You say it. So tomorrow night there's going to be something way more fun at a uh, little mountain gallery than what you just heard about. Um, <laughs> the um, there's a There's a weekly comedy show called Jokes, Please. That happens at Little Mountain Gallery. Uh, we're going to be there. You're going to be seeing some of the uh, most talented... I, I would say amateur verging on pro, pro verging on amateur comedians in Vancouver. Uh, it's a great time. It's cheap. Beer's cheap. Uh, a lot five of fun. bucks. Five bucks, yeah. Um, and we're going to be there to sort of officially give this Patreon a launch. Yeah. So, so tomorrow, 9 p.m., Little Mountain Gallery, 26th in Maine. 26th in Maine. Um, yeah. Right be on. there. Please. Right on, right on, right on. Well, uh, we've Thank got you. some ads to play here, but after that, we uh, <laughs> love ads. <laughs> I love ads. Yeah. Um, well, Fan Expo happened last week, and it's um, the big annual event for fans of sci-fi and anime, and um, comic books, TV shows, film, the like. All of the nerd arts um, were represented at Vancouver Fan Expo. Uh, and Brian McDonald from Scalds Hall uh, here at CITR, he attended the event, and he, um, well, he prepared this report for us. So we're going to hear that right after, right after these commercial breaks. Check out this year's fun and thought-provoking films for kids and young at heart. Real to Real, April 10th to 17th. Features films from around the world and includes hands-on workshops and activities for the whole family. Don't miss the Saturday morning pajama party and Sunday fun day, the weekend of April 11th to 12th at the Van City Theatre and Roundhouse Community Centre. Real to Real runs April 10th to 17th. For more info, check out r2rfestival.org. You are tuned in to CITR 101.9 FM. My name is Brian McDonald. I'm here with the Arts Report and Scalds Hall to tell you a little bit about Vancouver Fan Expo. It happened just this past weekend here in lovely Vancouver. There were a lot of guests there like William Shatner, Carrie Fisher, Brent Spiner. There were a lot of anime guests there as well, such as Brad Swale, Sean Chamel, and Chris It's Over 9000 Sabo, and Veronica Taylor. They were there to tell us a lot about the kind of work that they do, what it was like to work on the various shows they did. Veronica Taylor, of course, was Ash for many years on Pokemon. Chris Sabo is a name you might not know, but you might have heard the internet neat meme of Over 9000. He did a lot of voices on Dragon Ball Z and helped direct some of the episodes as a voice director. Uh, Sean Chamel is Goku. 
on the very same show. And we got a chance to catch their panels where they talked about their work. Uh, they got a chance, especially Sean and Chris, to uh, banter back and forth because each crashed the other's panel. So that was kind of interesting. We also got to see Veronica's panel and listen to her experiences on the various anime that she's done over the years. And she's done a lot of other stuff besides just Pokemon. Um I actually heard her in one of the very first things that she did. I heard her on the English dub of Slayers very, very many years ago. There were a lot of comic book guests as well. Uh, all sorts of people from the industry. We had animators from classic animation shows. We had other guests from other live-action shows. And not only that, but we had a lot of local artists and artists from all over the place. <clears throat> Go to Vancouver Fan Expo. You'll see a lot of very interesting businesses that have booths there that you can buy almost everything from. We had some steampunk watch sellers. We had a very interesting uh, DeLorean um, charity set that had a real DeLorean that was set up to look like the time travel DeLorean from Back to the Future. And we did get a brief interview with them, and we'll be playing that at the end of our segment. Uh, we attempted to set up interviews with some of the other animation guests. Skulls Hall being a spoken word entertainment show, we try to cover spoken word entertainers. Um, uh, the interview request uh, didn't get passed along until actually after the um, convention was over, so we're not sure what kind of response we're going to get just yet. But Sean and Chris are going to be involved in dubbing a new Dragon Ball movie that's supposed to come out sometime this year. So when that happens, a short time from now, we'll resubmit our request through their agents to see if we can get some um, interview time with them because they'll be wanting to go out and promote their work and hoping that the media will come and talk to them, I'm sure. So that will happen then, I'm sure. Uh, Lots of people showed up. There were lots of cosplay contests. There were a lot of panels that involved a lot of other sorts of anime contests and uh, trivia contests. Uh, oh, everybody had a very good time. So we're going to end off our segment uh, with the interview that we did get uh, involving the charity DeLorean here on CITR 101.9 FM. You're listening to CITR 101.9 FM. I am Brian McDonald, the Skull Tall, and the Arts Report, and here we are next to a time machine. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, so this is the Seattle time machine, and so it's a 1981 DeLorean that's been modified to be a screen-accurate replica of the car from the Back to the Future movies. Uh, I'm based out of Seattle, and I have it uh, available for events and weddings, birthdays, things like that, but I also bring it out to these Comic-Con conventions and just have fun with everybody getting excited about it up here in Vancouver. I see, and uh, what do you... Um do with the proceeds so uh the organizers of this event of fan expo have have decided to make a contribution to the michael j fox foundation for parkinson's research and so they invited me here for this convention to help kind of tie into that um and so uh you know i cover my travel expenses and things like that but they they give me the, the space and i bring the car and then everybody gets to take pictures with it and have fun and everything like that yeah and how did you build it so I got a regular stock DeLorean and took it to a guy down in Los Angeles and then had him modify it to put all of the props from the movie on it. Um, and so it took him about seven or eight months, and I got it back uh, early last summer and have been just having fun with it and taking it around everywhere since then. And uh, where did you get the other props that you have? I noticed you have newspapers and the like. Yeah, so I have a lot of replica props and things that I've found, uh, old VHS tapes of the movies and old Nintendo cartridges and things like that. A lot of them I've just gotten like on eBay, just looking around and finding things on the Internet that kind of look cool. Like I like to find little unique things that you can't really get anywhere else, so not just some toy you can go get at the toy store, but uh, cool little things that kind of tie in with the movie that people might enjoy at these events. 
Uh, later in the year, in September, I'm going to a Wizard World convention that's, uh, in San Jose, California, uh, outside of San Francisco. And then in November, uh, in Reno, Nevada, at another Wizard World convention. Um, but then I usually stick around Seattle most of the time, or at least events on the West Coast. And during the summer in Seattle, there's a lot of parades and things like that. So I usually take it in the parades and just kind of drive it around the city and just kind of have fun with it during the summer when the weather is nice. You can uh, get more information about the car at seattletimemachine.com. And then there's contact information and more, more pictures of the car and things. So you can find out all kinds of good stuff about it. Well, thank you very much for your time. All right. Thank you. Welcome back to the Arts Report. This is Ashley, because I didn't get to talk last time, but that's okay. I'm talking now. All right, so one thing I want to tell everybody is that I recently attended the uh, BC Book Prizes Soiree. What that means is there was a celebration of all these writers who were just uh, kind of like listed for a prize. All the books are local, and some of the people are actually from UBC. So some of the recipients were um, Kevin Chong. He teaches here at UBC. Aislinn Hunter, an MFA, Gabriel Prendergast, also an MFA. Uh, we also have Nancy J. Turnell, uh, PhD, and Kayla Sgaza, I'm sorry if I said this wrong, uh, is a CZ last name, Sgaza, MFA, as well as other um, recipients. So I got to go to the soiree that was on April the 2nd, and it was held at Joe's apartment, and when people kind of say book soiree, they think like, you know, fancy kind of wine, little cheeses, everyone just like dressed really nicely. No, that was not the case. So I kind of like overdressed for the occasion. <laughs> so what, what were you, how did you overdress? Well, when I got to the place, there was kind of like a bar set up. Everyone's like, just like kind of like spooning Greek food <laughs> onto their plates and just kind of chilling out and having a great time. Um, the lights were kind of like pretty dark, kind of dim. And unlike kind of a fancy party, it was more casual. Everybody was uh, from the like the lit circles. They were just all talking and congratulating each other on some of the prizes. A man I talked to, um, he was he's a writer at um, it, located in BC, but he didn't win anything. He was just there to spite his opponent. Apparently, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm just here because he's my friend. And I'm making fun of him or something like that. So much more casual. Uh, one of the cool things that they had was is that they had this initiative in which they were trying to hope everybody would kind of partake in, which is reading local. So unlike um, reading a book from, let's say, a writer from the States or a writer from like over uh, the sea, they wanted people to choose local BC writers or buy books from local uh, BC publishers. Because what they wanted to do is they wanted to Again, promote local writers in BC, but also to reduce the carbon footprint. Because when they have a book, let's say it's bound and printed in the US, it's also then traveled to Canada, then it's traveled to various bookstores. Whereas if the publication uh, company is in BC, there's less carbon footprint. Mm. So they were kind of hoping for um, the, I guess, until the end of April to read local. So the month of April is Read Local Month. Yep, yeah. yeah. and they're doing okay. actually all these tours along with the winners to different, um, I believe, libraries and different places in BC to promote this kind of initiative as well as, you know, bring exposure to all these kind of different books that people have won the BC Book Prizes for. Well, I know if people are friends of CITR, uh, if you have a Friends of CITR card, you actually mm -hmm. get 
discounts at certain bookstores, circle lo- certain local bookstores, including the People's Co-op Bookstore on Commercial Drive. Oh, that's nice. There's uh, some sort of discount offered there. And they, of course, would cover tons of local publishers and authors. Mm-hmm. So my question to you guys is, I guess to everyone, even the listeners, have you ever read a BC book before? And kind of give yourself to think about that. Like, have I ever written, have I ever, well, maybe if you've written a BC book, that's cool too. Have I ever read a book by someone from BC or someone uh, that, or something that's been published in BC? So think about it. Not a lot of people read local books. And it's really crazy. We live in this place, but we don't even read the local literature. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's my little thing on books. Now we're joined with, uh, we have two special guests on the show that have been silent and sitting in. Uh, Ryan and Irene are here. And before I introduce them, Irene, do you have any comments about local books? Um, I was just going to say that I do read local books. So, <laughs> um, I just, I can't remember the name. (laughs) But it's local. Yeah, definitely local. And one of my friends, shout out to Michael Pryor. He's a poet. He's in Toronto right now, but he's published stuff. And I definitely have read his poems. Well, I I, one magazine too, if you're looking for for local literature. um, But Subterrain is, uh, they're related to Arsenal Press and they're a local literature magazine that is available all over the place and is fantastic read yeah no i think the book that i read was published by arsenal pulp arsenal pulp press yeah well there we go well let's uh let's play a quick uh ad here and then we will introduce our final special guests well, the province of Alberta, <clears throat> excuse me, the province of Alberta itself already has a, it's one of the few Alberta regulatory environments in the country. It has Alberta. What is an exception? What I said was actually what I've been saying for some time. Alberta. And what is crazy would be for us to impose costs only on our Alberta. So look, that's what Alberta has done. The Fire Hall Arts Centre takes on Stephen Harper with Proud a political satire that will have you rolling in the aisles. Don't miss this sexy, cheeky, and surprising play about what really happens in the back rooms of Canadian politics. On from April 7th to 25th, see firehallartcenter.ca for details. All right, now um, now let's get to know Irene and Ryan a little bit better. <laughs> Ryan, uh, welcome to welcome to the Arts Report. You are currently interning at CITR, is that correct? I am. And tell us about your internship here. Uh, it's really cool. It's unlike any experience I've actually I would have thought I could have ever had growing up. I mean, I've had my own show a couple of times, sitting in on shows, lots of work that no one else wants to do (laughs) but uh yeah really i've really loved it here okay and you're interning um from where who are you interning with earl marriott secondary earl marriott that's right and and i am a proud alumnus um, from earl marriott so i that's one thing that we just found out a couple minutes ago i wanted to share how do so do you commute every day from oh yeah i'm busting out from white rock wow the the what is it? It's the 351. Mm-hmm. That must take you to the SkyTrain. Take that to Bridgeport and the 480 to UBC. Oh, 
Well, <laughs> welcome and welcome and congratulations on your turn. How long are you going to be here for? Uh, Friday is actually my last day. Really? So wow. I'll make it three weeks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So congratulations on almost completing your internship, I guess. <laughs> and what uh, what is next for you? I guess you'll be returning to Earl Marriott. Yeah, go back to school, and then I think in May I have another three week work experience, something like that. Okay. I'm not really sure where I'm going yet, but. And what life plans do you have? No idea. <laughs> Just really going yeah. for it, huh, Jake? Well, you're fitting in here beautifully. <laughs> And uh, Irene, you have started recently, just in January, through with the music department. Is yeah. that correct? Tell us uh, about what you've been doing here. Um, so I've just been working with Sarah in music, and I basically just help the programmers set up interviews with local bands as well as bands from out of town who want to come in and do a performance or just chat with local programmers here. All right, so uh, anyone who volunteers at the station has been getting emails from you with all the interview listings and stuff, so thank you for those dedicated emails. Yeah. A lot of people get to kind of be more on a personal level with maybe the bands they might enjoy, so when you get an email from Irene, just check it out. Consider. Yeah, consider send me an email. <laughs> <laughs> and, Please. Uh, and how has your, we, we've had a packed studio today that you got to sit in on, so mm-hmm. how was that experience? It wasn't 30 degrees like the last couple of weeks. They fixed the heat in here. That's I know. Right. I'm so surprised. I was like ready to like, not today, not today. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the Arts Report this Wednesday. April the 8th. April the yeah. 8th. Yes. And uh, we will be here, of course, next week. And um, we normally, uh, Alphabet Soup is on next, but I, I don't think I have a file to play for them, so we will try and find it. <laughs> and if not, we will be bringing you some quality programming here at CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. If you have anything you want to share with us, uh, any feedback at all, give us an email at arts at CITR.ca, and we will happily email you back. Yep. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. I quit my dreaming the moment that I found you. I started dancing just to be around you. Here's to thinking that it all meant so much more. I kept my mouth shut and opened up the door. I am